Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to another edition of Student Ministry Matters. My name's Dan Carson, and I'm your host. And with me today, I've got Chris Vine. Say hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. I mean, hey, guys. Good to see you. <laughs> well, today it's a little loud on Chris's end, but that's okay. He's off at camp speaking at the Ozarks Baptist Encampment that is in Salem Springs. We're happy that he's able to make some time and be here with us today as we record. Uh, Chris, is this your second or third camp that you're speaking at? This is my fourth camp that I'm speaking at this summer. So, yeah, it's been a busy summer for us. That is busy, man. Those things, you're there for a week, so you have to do all this ministry work by computer, find coffee shops, and all of that sort of thing, right? Yeah, which I like coffee shops, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of living my best life right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, on today's podcast, we are virtually sitting down with Aaron Williams, who recently spoke at the 2021 SOAR conference and talking about students and worship. Um, now, I've seen Aaron doing his thing for Jesus for many years. He started out as a worship leader at the SOAR conference more than a couple of years ago. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording, and uh, and he's grown in his skills and understanding of worship. He led a group called Solace Found. Uh, that I had my church in Rogers, Arkansas, and then was a part of a group called We the Union. My son has used Never Ending Love as a part of his worship leading set for many years now. But Aaron's a worship leader, songwriter, visionary, and co-founder of Dwell. He's a passionate guy about leading people with creative and thoughtful vision for the future. Aaron and his wife, Mallory, have two sons, Michael West and Beckham, and I think they're about on the verge to move to the Dallas Metroplex. Aaron, it's great to have you on the podcast with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Good to be with you guys. Well, why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about what Dwell is and, and what's happening in your ministry right now? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, in short, Dwell is a uh, it's a movement that's also resourcing. Um, you know, it's it's becoming a resourcing uh, outlet for local churches and and pastors and leaders. It started in our local church here in Little Rock, which is where I'm currently living. Yeah, our church is Fellowship Bible Church, and uh, we started, Dwell was just a conference that uh, we were doing. It was basically for anyone in the church who was just hungry for a weekend to set aside and come and seek God together, time in scriptures, time in worship, and, and with a unique kind of aspect of spiritual disciplines or practices, um, if you will. And that conference just kind of snowballed in a really cool way. Like people really connected with what was happening there. And, um, you know, looking back, I just think God was uh, doing something unique amongst his people with the conference. And um, so through lots of conversation and prayer, we decided to launch it out, um, sensing that maybe God wanted to encourage the broader kingdom and other people with the ministry. Um, and that's where the resourcing side came in is we didn't want to just be an annual event, but we actually wanted to put some of the ideas and thoughts that we'd been working on um, into 
Bible studies and curriculum and songs and things like that. So that's what we've been doing for about the last year, almost a year and a half, and it's going really well. We're excited about it. Um, you can check us out if you're on Instagram at, at Dwell With God, or the same if you just want to look online at dwellwithgod.com. You can see all that we're up to. Um, so we're just we're just trying to help um, leaders, and that's not just staff people, but literally anyone um, in the local church who's hungry to help lead other people towards seeking Jesus in uh renewing ways. Like we want to put resources in their hand. We want to be an encouraging voice to all those people. So that's kind of what we're trying to be up to. Very cool. Well, what's happening now in your ministry though? Not, not dwell. There's, you've got another piece that's going on. Yeah. Well, you mentioned we're moving to Dallas. Um, so a part of dwell and really a part of my life for a long time has been uh, songwriting, particularly writing worship songs, like you mentioned. And it's something I've always been passionate about, something I've always loved to do. And just in these last few years, it seems like um, God has just opened some doors for me to do that on a little bit broader uh, level and, and, and with more people. And so there's a company called The Worship Initiative. Um, it's owned and, and kind of headed up by Shane and Shane, the, which I'm sure probably most of you guys may have heard of Shane and Shane. But if you haven't, they've been around for a number of years, a really faithful uh, witness in worship music. And, you know, they, they're just amazing guys and incredibly talented artists. And so uh, the Worship Initiative is a resourcing uh, site specifically for local church worship leaders. And it's kind of like a subscription model. You pay a certain monthly fee and you get not only the songs, but all, I mean, like literally like a ton of great resources to help uh, local worship leaders and their ministries and their volunteers. And so uh, they approached me and asked me if I'd be willing to come on with them as an artist. So uh, basically what that looks like is I'm coming on to write songs, to record songs, and to do a personal worship project sometime in the next year and a half. And mm-hmm. so um, the only, I don't want to say it's a downside because we're excited about it, but the only major shift for us is um, we have to move to Dallas. And so uh, it's probably better to say we get to move to Dallas, but it's <laughs> it's a bittersweet thing for us. You know, we've oh, been here since since we graduated school. Mallory and I, our whole married life's been here. Our two sons were born here, so we're excited about Dallas. We're excited about the opportunity. You know, we're just going through some of those, like um, saying goodbye and packing up the house and oh, all yeah. of that. So we're kind of right in the the middle of the transitional period, and so we'll be doing. I'll be able to do da- um, dwell from Dallas and work with those guys there. And so we're all on that big journey of faith, you know, following where yeah. God leads and having to take steps of trust and obedience along the way. And so ask me in a couple of years how it's gone. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic and very hopeful, but, you know, carrying a certain amount of just nerves about the whole thing as well. So, Well, how we'll- old are your boys? Seven and five. So yeah, it's a big deal for them. The five-year-old starting kindergarten in Dallas in a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, ministry, of course, is important. That's student ministry matters. That's even the name of our podcast. Yep. Um, But so is fun. What do you and your family do for fun there in the Little Rock area? Well, with our boys being five and seven, it's very, everything's active, you know? So we are doing, I mean... (laughs) Right now in summertime, like thankfully we have a swimming pool in our neighborhood. So uh, both of our boys are in 
swim are on swim team. So they're loving that. So we spend a lot of time at the pool, either our pool or, you know, at swim meets, that type thing. Or when it's not too hot, they're both really into bike riding, skateboarding. You know, there's a lot of hiking, really good hiking around Little Rock here. And so when it's not summertime and scorching hot, we do a lot of getting out and hiking and enjoying the outdoors. Um, so they're kind of in that phase where they're trying everything out. You know, yeah. they don't have yeah. their favorite sport. They have their, you know, the ones they like more or less, but like they're trying all the sports out. They're trying all the, you know, the bikes and scooters and skateboards and trying to figure out what they really click with. So, um, it's a lot of fun. It's tiring some days, but it's a ton of fun. <laughs> it is fun. I remember back when my son was about that age, we would, he would want to try a little bit of everything. He tried, had the skateboard phase that he went through. Um, but we landed in martial arts. It yeah. was one of those things that, um, was just a great fit for him. And he stuck with it for the, let's see, from seven until 13 or 14. And it's still kind of a part of your life when you get it, it's ingrained in you. And so, uh, just a whole lot of fun. Well, Chris, your, your boys are about that same age, aren't they? Yeah, we're, we're pretty close. I have an eight year old and a five year old. Okay. Very cool. Cool. Hey, well, Aaron, I know that you have a long history with SOAR, the SOAR conference. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. You know, what, what church were you with when you first went to SOAR? Uh, who was your youth pastor during that time? And how'd you end up leading worship? Uh, well, that's, I grew up in Camden, Arkansas, which is, you know, a small town. It's actually, I guess, one of the larger of the small towns in South Arkansas. Right. I went to Emmanuel Baptist Church, which was a pretty small church. But looking back, um, there was so many amazing people at that church. And I just look back and I'm like, wow, like, can't believe all these families that were just such great people that God put in my life. Mm. TJ Johnson um, and his wife, Jenny, were my youth pastors. Um, they were my youth pastors during the formative years that I was really engaged in youth group. Um, yeah, so they were amazing. They they just did such an amazing job of like uh, just inviting the kids to their house. I mean, they just kind of had a life-on-life life model of ministry. And so somehow they talked me into going to SOAR. I think it was my seventh or eighth grade year. I was not that interested in it. Um, <laughs> but I went because my parents wanted me to go, and we had this new cool youth pastor. And God really moved in my life over uh, at the conference specifically. I mean, there's a lot of things I could attest it to, but I remember distinctly him moving in my life at the event that would just trigger kind of a ripple effect of other things that he would do in my life in years later and uh, started leading worship in the youth group. It, I, would, I wouldn't have even called it that at that point. I would have just said, TJ asked me to play guitar and help sing some songs. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a <laughs> reference for leading worship um, at that point, which is so interesting how God, you know, it's kind of a side note, but how God uses us even when, even when that's the case. And, uh, I just fell in love with it. My, my dad's side of the family was, um, very musical. And so I just started loving having that outlet to, to, to be a part of with music. And one thing led to another and we formed a band out of our youth group and started traveling and leading worship and, and eventually, uh, the leaders of SOAR called me and asked me, hey, would you want to be a part of helping, you know, lead as a student? And one thing turned into another, and I ended up kind of leading at the event for over a decade, for sure. I don't know exactly how many years it was. I think it right. was maybe 12 or 13 years total. And so, yeah, SOAR feels like family to me. When I think, you know, when anyone mentions SOAR conference, 
you know, I think of those are my people. Like, even though it's different kids move in and out of youth groups every right, few right. years, and stuff like that. I just always think of like, um, you know, that's my heritage. Those are my people that I, that really shaped me and an event that shaped me. And gosh, I mean, it shaped a lot of people before me because the, the conference has been going on for quite a while now. And I just love that history and thankful to have been a small part of it. Yeah, it is. It's of course been around since 1991, uh, been through a lot of different phases and looks. Um, but what I've loved is hearing, is hearing your story. You know, you were a guy who is really in small town, Arkansas, um, that God used this conference to kind of speak to your heart about something that you might not have considered before. And yeah. it was just really cool. And I've seen the same thing in my, my own, my own family with my son. Um, and just how he, God has used that over the years to speak to different people. Well, this past year you had the opportunity, or I say past year to the 2021, we're still in that year right now as we record, um, you had the opportunity to speak to our students and you took a couple of sessions, kind of hit on that big topic of worship. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was a huge honor to come and speak, you know, uh, it's a topic that I'm super passionate about. So I was grateful to be considered for that. And, um, you know, teaching on worship is one of those things for me. I think it's 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 easy and difficult all at the same time because um, I, I almost have too many things to say that I can't get my thoughts ordered enough, you know, because I'm just so passionate about the topic and about how uh, effective worship ministry can be in the life of students and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a huge honor. I mean, and, and really, I, I just kind of tried to come at it from thinking about where I was at when I was in their shoes, which was for me, like, no, I didn't really have a framework at all of what worship was biblically. I just had a framework of like what I saw when I went to my church on Sunday morning or I went to my youth group on Wednesday night. And it's not that that was bad. It was just I didn't really have an, uh, an understanding that like God had created me to, to respond to him in certain ways. And that he had, I mean, I guess the simple way to say it is he, that he had created, he created all of us to be worshipers. And mm -hmm. yeah. I remember that thought being so revolutionary for me personally and, and changing the way I viewed myself and the way I viewed worship where it's like, it's more of the question of the question became less of, do I worship? And more of like, no, I, I do worship. What am I worshiping? What am I directing that worship toward? And that actually helped me see some of the, you know, what I would now call like idols that were in my young heart, you know, where it was like, oh, I was, I was worshiping that position on that, you know, sports team, or I was worshiping people thinking about me in this certain way, you know, like my perception of who I was. And, and it really, helped me get down to the hard issue of like, uh, God wired us for, so that he could be the ultimate end of who we are and where we're directing our love and our affection and our energy and our desires. That's kind of where I came at with session one, you know, I just wanted to kind of set up that framework because I think it's, we often so quickly go to physical expression in worship. You know, yeah. what, is, what does worship yeah. look like? And uh, I remember Chris and I had a conversation about this leading into the conference. And I was like, oh, man, like I love that topic and I would really love to get to that topic. But I feel like for students, 
if we just go there, we're actually missing like the central point because we all know that you can fake certain physical expressions. We all know that that God can be doing a deep work in your heart and it doesn't always manifest in a physical, an exact physical way. And so it just feels like we're talking more about the surface level instead of diving deep. So that was what I was trying to do at least. Um, you know, it seemed like I had a, had a number of conversations with students afterward where it seemed like, you know, that framing it that way was helpful for them. I certainly hope it was, you know, you know, Aaron, I, I think it was, it was very, very helpful course most people who were at soar i I thought they uh they really experienced that the the impact of of us going a little bit deeper of you going deeper in in the direction that you did and and i'm so thankful for that and you know personally speaking i don't want to get too personal here but for me and i think for many others i I think i can speak for for many others at soar who have in, in many ways been going to soar for years and seeing you lead like you've just described uh, but then also this year was uh, not to say that you'll you'll never come back because we, we certainly hope that you will. But it was kind of a capstone event. Uh, and I don't know if it felt that way for you, but it was just really cool to see um, you who have led worship uh, for so many years now be able to come and and teach uh, uh, the scriptures on on what it means to, to truly worship and to go so much deeper than just the, like you said, the surface level of what it should might look like. Uh, but the fact that we are all worshipers, that God has created us this way. Kind of a similar question, and, and maybe one just to not elaborate on too much, but you know, you go with it as you'd like. Was it a capstone event for you? I mean, was it, uh, did it feel that way? Because uh, there were some really cool moments, I know for, for me personally, just to see you be able to speak and to hear God use you the way that he did this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think, you know, if whether it's a capstone, you know, not knowing what the future ever holds, I think, I think it was definitely a full circle event, you know, where it's like, um, sometimes, sometimes God just allows, he does things in our lives that allow us to see his work. You know, maybe it's almost like if you could hit, you know, a map on your computer and you could hit the zoom out button, you know, it's almost like every once in a while, God does those things that allows you to zoom out and being at that, being at conference this year and speaking, it was a little bit of me just like being able to see the work of God in my life because I know how far from him or just maybe how disinterested I was. Like I just know where I was as a kid and and my heart was not seeking to glorify Jesus. And so to see his work in my life, to bring me along to put people in a church family and youth pastors. I mean, I could literally name a, a hundred people that he put in my life that he, you know, just grew me little bit by little bit by little bit. And um, then the grace of being able to lead songs, which, you know, in some ways is a form of teaching. It's just um, a different vehicle of teaching, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then to come back and speak, you know, it just, I just felt like it was a, such a cool moment to just look back and say, man, isn't God just so gracious? Isn't he so um, just good to us? You know, I don't deserve to be in in that kind of position. And and without him, I certainly wouldn't be. So it was kind of, that's kind of what I felt on the inside, just like a ton of gratitude. I loved that it was, you know, a conference that impacted me so personally. So very cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I have a question um, that kind of shifts us a, a little bit. And you, you just 
alluded to it a little bit, so I don't want to make a uh, make it too difficult for you. But if you can think about your teenage years, like you've already been reflecting on, who would you say uh, you mentioned TJ and Jenny? Who would you say were some very influential people in your life? Uh, and maybe again, if you could list three, maybe four or five. I, I don't know. You don't have to say their names if you don't want to. But I think for youth pastors who are listening to this, I think it's good for us to be reminded that. Um, that it takes a tribe, so to speak, yeah, to yeah. Uh, to to make disciples, to make disciples, and, and so who yeah. who would you say are influential in your life during those years? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, TJ and Jenny were my youth pastors. They were the first people. You know, when I look back on it, they were, I think, nineteen and twenty years old, or maybe twenty <laughs> and twenty-one. Like they were really young. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're a seventh or eighth grader, I don't remember how old I was exactly, but you know, that feels old, but you're yeah. looking back at it now and I'm like, would I want a 19 year old to be my son? <laughs> <laughs> and he was goofy too, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be listening to this, so I want to be careful. He won't. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. TJ and Jenny, they were the first people I saw a deeper and it wasn't that there were these other people. It was just, they were the first people I noticed it in with a deeper, more sincere uh, seriousness. And I don't mean like they, they were lighthearted. So I don't mean like overly serious. I just mean like they took their faith really seriously and they invited other people into that in a way that was kind of challenging. So it was mm -hmm. invitational of like, come be a part of our life. Like, let's go do a lot of fun stuff together. But like, by being in close proximity to us, we're going to challenge you. You know, we want you to like, we want you to consider going on a mission trip. And, and when you're, you know, obviously when you're old enough and like, we want to teach you what it looks like to serve. And so I just think, you know, there's no, uh, my encouragement to youth pastors, I think would be just don't forget how impactful those small things can be. And even though it might seem you know, like it's not a big deal, like uh, teaching kids those things and really loving them and investing them. Like I remember, you know, the VSM boot camp, um, which I don't know if that's even still a thing, but this, the boot camp that used to exist to train all of the volunteer student missions, like our youth group would go to that and we would always have, you know, three, four, five kids going on a, a student mission trip. But our whole youth group basically would go and serve the whole week just as like support. And, you know, you're, you're, it's summertime, it's hot. You're not getting any sort of, you know, compensation or anything like that. But those type things fueled a grassroots level hunger to see God glorified in the nations because you were, you were around other people, you know, the mission, some of the missionaries were there. Um, just some of the people who were very uh, on the ground, like living out, the gospel and the great commission, you, you rubbed arms with them. And like, there's just, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. So that was massively formative. And then my parents and my, um, my best friend's parents, Glenn and Kathy Sly, which they've been a part of Emmanuel for a long time. They've been most recently a part of Wyatt in El Dorado, but Jake was my best friend. We were in the band together. What was really, um, amazing about, I think, our both of our parents and our families, but I'll, I'll talk about Jake's family in particular um, because, you know, we all have our parents who love us and stuff like that. But Jake's parents, in many ways, just f saw little sparks of what God was doing, and they were like the kings and queens of 
throwing gasoline on the sparks, you know? Oh, Hey, you guys, yeah. you guys have a hunger for playing worship music in your church. I wonder if there's other youth groups around that we could, that we could uh, go and, and uh, like lead worship for. And so they would get with TJ and we would call so-and-so and we would drive down to Taylor and we would lead worship and, and have an evening like hanging out with their youth group. And then we would drive over to hope. I mean, we did that at, at your church <laughs> and, um, that's cool. We would, drive, we would drive over and and then it got bigger and it was like, hey, we you guys need a trailer, but you don't have any money. So like, what if we buy you a trailer? It'll be in our name, but like you guys can use it to do this ministry that you want. Okay, that would be awesome. And suddenly we had our own trailer. Eventually, uh, let us help you budget because everything we were doing was for free for a long time. And then people started paying us small amounts of money to come do this stuff. Then it was like, well, hey, let's we'll help you budget this so that you can use it. So eventually, we buy a sound system, and we've got a trailer and a sound system, and none of us, you know, we're just these teenage kids. And I just, I just tell that story because whether it's music or other, you know, things that uh, young people are getting into, it's like it. When I'm looking back on that as an adult, it was borderline wasteful because they knew we were gonna you know, dent it up and bang it up and probably, you know, dent their car at some point doing all of this. But they truly saw it as an investment into who we are and to the ministry we were doing. And I look back on it and I'm like, uh, gosh, as an adult, that was just so sacrificial. Like it was financially sacrificial. It was sacrificial with their time and energy and effort. And But what it did was it fanned into flame that small spark of what God was doing in our life. And I'm like, now I'm, I'm writing worship songs and I, I just look at the things I'm doing, like whether it's writing songs or, you know, speaking at an event or whatever it is. And I'm like, all of that is downstream of these people early on in my life, fanning into flame a very immature, a very, you know, base level gifting. But if, if you don't have that, would I have kept going? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I might have dropped off, but if I would have, I might not be as far along as I am now. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture of discipleship of not just, you know, it it goes so far beyond someone coming to follow Jesus. And it's like, how can I leverage anything that God's given me for the benefit of that person's gifting, that person's call on their life? And so, you know, I could talk about, I mean, I could talk about a lot of people Many of many of them who were who were youth pastors then, who are senior pastors at a lot of our churches now. A lot of those, you know, young guys had little kids like that age who are now, you know, deacons in their church or, you know, serving in different roles like that. And you know, I just think, man, to encourage those parents who are doing that in your youth pat in your youth groups, like to, uh, you know, cast that vision for them. Maybe if they can't see it, be the parent be the people's house that all the kids are hanging out with uh, for a discipleship opportunity, you know, and it's going to get messy because we're, we were all little kids. Like we're, it's going to get messy. It might get expensive. <laughs> Something might probably will get broken along the way, but like in the grand scheme of things, man, if that fans into flame, a, a true love for God and ministry, that's just worth a lot. Amen. Man, that's, that's good stuff right there. Why, well, hey, you know, I, it's kind of hard to make a transition from such a, I mean, uh, just a great 
portion of our conversation right there. But I'm wondering in, in all of that, because you seem to have always been interested in, in, in music. Am I right in that? You, you said your family was very, your dad's side of the family was musical. But were you, were you only interested in music or were there other interests in your life? Are you a sports guy? Did you, were you an right. athlete? And, and yeah. maybe what would you, what would you say to a, to a youth pastor who, who maybe has a hard time uh, connecting with, with somebody who maybe doesn't have the same interests as theirs, you know? Yeah, you know, what, what would you say in that? that TJ's a, TJ, my youth pastor, is a great example of that. Outside of music, we didn't share a lot of a lot of common interest. Fly fishing, he loves fly fishing, so he took me fly fishing. Um, no, I was I was a total jock turned music nerd <laughs> later in later in high school. My dad was a football coach growing up, oh, wow. so I I grew up you know with like. On the football fields, grass on my shoes every day, you know, smelling like cut grass. Like he was the head football coach at Camden Fairview for 18 years, I think. So I grew up playing baseball and football and liked basically any sports. Music was a side thing. My dad's side of the family, my dad also plays guitar and sings. Um, His side of the family has a lot of musicians in it. So we would get together at holidays and stuff like that and play music. Interestingly enough, I didn't really enjoy it that much until I had an outlet. Um, That was the biggest thing for me. I didn't like, I didn't get a ton of gratification from just sitting in my bedroom playing guitar. But when I had an outlet that involved like actually using that gifting outside of my house, like going to my youth group, TJ would give me these, he would give me chord charts and a cup, you know, back then, like literally literal CDs. And he would be like, this chord chart goes with this song on this CD, learn it by next week, you know? So, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I, 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 this is hilarious that I think about it now. I would show up to Wednesday night in baseball uniform sometimes because I had just left baseball practice and I would lead worship with like dirty baseball uniform on. (laughs) There's nothing that says more small town youth group than that, you know? So yeah, I was, Somewhere along the way, though, I began to understand the difference between hobbies and calling. That's where it shifted for me. I began to recognize I love sports. I'm not going to do sports for the rest of my life. And that was later in high school, but I balanced them both pretty. And, you know, I was really into both. And then once I figured that out, you know, like I I was a, I I think, I mean, you could ask some of my friends. I think I was a slightly above average athlete. (laughs) Like I did pretty well. I, I could have played maybe like division two football or something like that, but God was just shifting my desires where I loved football, but I wanted to give my life toward ministry, you know, and for other, for other people, you know, in their other kids, like in your youth groups, you know, that might be, that might be like toward the medical field or that, I mean, it's doesn't, you guys, we, I don't think I don't have to say that like ministry is not just relegated to church staff positions, you know, but I think it's, it's more of, you know, the zoom out effect again of like helping young people recognize, Hey, you're, you're probably good at a bunch of things, but like there are specific ways that God's wired you and gifted you that can really play into serving needs of people around you for the duration of your lifetime. So what if you thought about your occupation a little bit more like like your future occupation, a little bit more like that. Because, I mean, let's be honest, lots of kids get out of high school and don't, I mean, spend a, too many years trying to figure out what, what do I need to be doing, you know? And yeah. 
there's in some ways kind of a low level theology of vocation that I think youth pastors can be instilling in students to recognize that it's not, you know, it's that old paradigm. It's not just that I work so that I can have fun on the weekends, you know, but my work can actually have purpose and I can glorify God through it, whether I'm a, a doctor, a musician, a teacher, etc. So that would be my encouragement to youth pastors is helping, like calling, calling out those things in students. I remember people, Jenny and TJ and people in my church telling me, hey, I don't know if you recognize this, but you're gifted uniquely at these things. And I didn't recognize it until they said it. And then when they said it, I started to see it. You know, so it's like maybe for someone in your youth group, they're just extremely um, like they meet the needs of others. They go beyond other people to serve. And it's like that person might be an amazing nurse or doctor later in their life, but they might need someone to call out. They might not even recognize how gifted they are at that thing. But, you know, you're there specifically to call those things out, encourage them, tell them what they're good at, you know, and maybe in love tell a few people, tell a few of us what we're not good at that we think we're good at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, that's so good. You know, I think we need to all get better at um, uh, affirming uh, the gifts that that we have, that the Lord has given us um, in that way. That's such a good word. Thanks, Aaron. You do it. You know, Aaron, I I love that idea of throwing gasoline on the spark. Um, I've seen it work over the years. Um, but man, just to think about the people in your life that did that and where you're at now and, and not just now, but what God is going to do in the future and how, and how that you look back. So that big view, it's, it's just fantastic stuff. And it, it kind of ties in with that. I want to say your second message, you were talking about living life sacrificially, giving your life in full worship, yeah. uh, you know, and so it was just, boy, I, I want to thank you publicly for um, for your life and for your ministry. You've served as an example to to a lot of kids, a lot of students over these past several years that saw you on that journey and you kept your eyes on what God wanted. Um, my son was one of those. And so I just want to thank you publicly for that. That's cool. um, it's a very powerful thing. That. Thank you. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and uh, find out more about Dwell Ministries or any of the other things that you're doing, what's the best way to do that? That's a great question. I think social media, honestly, um, my, on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, you can find me on Instagram at Aaron W music and, uh, or, you know, you can find my email through any of those outlets as well. Would love to if I can connect and, and help anyone along the journey, please let me know. Well, you know, uh, finding that calling, understanding what you're good at, what God would have you do long-term is one of the things that you can do at Central Baptist College. They're one of our sponsors with our podcast. And so if you have a student who's looking at that next stage of education, have them check out Central Baptist College in Conway. That's cbc.edu. And for those of you who are uh, student ministry workers who are trying to finish the degree, they do have their PACE program. Again, you can find out information at cbc.edu. Again, thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing with us today. Thank you, listeners, for downloading. Uh, We want to be here for you. We want to connect with you, and we want to keep going because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com 
or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.